Welcome in, everybody, to the Westside Sports Podcast. It is March 1st, 2023. As always, I am your host, Dakota Ezri. Welcome into today's podcast. Uh, if you want to see more information, more tidbits, and uh, kind of the insider information on what's going on, pretty much everything in the world of sports, uh, please check me out on Twitter. You can find me at capital PNW Professor. You can find me there. Uh, there's also a Facebook sports group that I um, admin for. It's called Sports of the Northwest. has the green Insignia Mariners logo uh, teal sign on there for you guys as well. Uh, that is a family-friendly group. Uh, I do not allow any kind of swearing, any kind of pe- putting pe- people down. If I catch people trying to spam, you will be removed. You, uh, you know, it goes on from there. But if you like just really neat stories, comeback stories, scholarships, updates on obviously Mariners, Seahawks, Kraken. Um, that's a great place to do that. So just giving you guys a reference point for there. Today's podcast is going to be an original throwback to an around the world section today, which is going to highlight Aaron Rodgers and the saga that's continuing in Green Bay. We're going to go through the uh, continuing the initial spring training takeaways. You guys seem to like that on the last podcast. I'm going to be talking about some guys that continue to, to, to uh, raise my eye. Kind of just... You know, they're flashing. I know that's a term that's used a lot right now between the combine going on that he flashed or he, you know, uh, showed upside that we didn't see or the the floor, the ceiling, all that talk, which we'll get in more of when we get more of a combine conversation, which is happening today. I believe right now as we speak, I'm trying to find a way to stream that uh, the combine for free right now. So if I can find that, then I will obviously get you guys the upgraded or the updated credentials the information the stats the combine all that good stuff when we get to it but if you guys enjoy the content and you like the conversation i bring to you as i always ask and i feel bad for doing so but it's for a reason please do subscribe leave a rating if you're on apple Podcasts, you can leave me a written feedback uh on there a you want to give me five stars great you want to give me three stars great you want to give me two four whatever it is one wouldn't be very nice but i want honesty that way I can look myself in the mirror at the end of the day and and get better at these. Because I've been doing these for about a year now. So I'm trying to get a little bit better at the overall podcasting platform. Okay, let's get straight into it. The breaking news for this morning, unfortunately, in a tragic accident. Um, defensive lineman, top five NFL pick, Jalen Carter at the University of Georgia has been arrested on two charges. Neither of which are felonies. Uh, for pretty much for reckless driving and for like racing, I believe racing is a, or whatever the correct terminology, criminology, the criminal correct terminology, excuse me, on racing is the disappointing and very sad thing. And my, my heart, my thoughts and my prayers go out to the young man that was killed in this accident. There was an accident involving the racing that killed two men, one of which was a UGA football player and one was a, um, an administrator, per, uh, one of the coaches, an assistant, I believe. I think he was a scouting or recruiting assistant. So I'm just going to have a brief moment of silence for the people that tragically passed away in this accident. And then we will continue to go further into the story. Thank you. So what we know is that there was uh, there was alcohol involved. One of the, the one of the people, the one of the gentlemen that unfortunately passed away had a blood alcohol level. This is reported via Adam Schefter of 0.197, which is over double the legal limit in the state of Georgia. Um, I'm going to try and keep my comments on this to the football field, 
right? And I'm going to talk a little bit about character with this. We all know Jalen Carter has an incredible skill set for what he can bring to the football field. Nobody questions that, okay? Um, his production on the field sometimes was absolutely dominant. All the, at the same time, he played in one of the most stacked defenses we've seen in a long time. Uh, throwbacks to the days of, of uh, University of Alabama having a stacked defense and how guys can kind of get just pushed over, but kind of just like, you know, yeah, they're great, but everybody else in that defense is so good. So you kind of just kind of get skimmed over, right? When I, the way and the reason why I'm talking about this to headline today's process is that I know that there are young men and women that listen to this podcast that are either in college or have are trying to accomplish and achieve a dream of reaching their goal that they that they were wanting since they were a child. For some people, that's a firefighter. For some people, that is a police officer. And for some people, that, that is a football player, right? To play in the NFL, that's a lot of people's dreams, a lot of kids' dreams. Be a big league baseball player. Be an NFL football player. Be a quarterback, you know? Be a, a Michael Phelps, a, a, professional, a professional swimmer. Be a Serena Williams. So the best thing that we can do right now with this situation is obviously um, acknowledge and mourn the losses of those who were taken away from uh, their families too young in their life. And... You also have to look at the fact of why Jalen Carter was even in this position to begin with. I have a ton of respect for the head coach and Kirby Smart who runs the University of Georgia football program. He was Nick Saban's assistant who left Saban's right-hand side man and decided he wanted to become his own self. Kind of what's happening with Eric Bieniemy in Washington, right? Jalen Carter, you have displayed that you are are willing or capable of putting yourself in a non-advantageous position, right? Granted, he's a young man. Young men make make uh, errors. They make they are not proud of things that they've done. Nobody's perfect, right? We're human beings. You know, we've all done things that we're not exactly proud of at certain points in our life. So obviously, Joan Carter is still going to get drafted inside the top ten. He's still going to make tens of millions of dollars. But let me just uh, let me approach this conversation or this topic. If, if I were Jalen Carter, right, and this is easy to say as somebody who's not in his shoes, who isn't experiencing the level of spotlight he has right now, which he's guarded on his own but because of his talent and his play on the football field. Why did you put yourself in a position like you are now? Knowing this happened on January 15th. So you couldn't literally last a month and a, what, a month and a quarter? Just a little bit under that? Without keeping your nose clean? Knowing that you have tens of millions of dollars coming down the pipeline and you cannot keep your nose clean. Now, if I'm John Snyder and Pete Carroll and all of their uh, drafting analysts and their, their, their associates, this is a bit of a red flag because this shows a character flaw for me. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to say this is going to ha- uh, hamper or lessen his ability to, on his play on, on the football field. That's not what this is. That's not what this con- this conversation is for. What this conversation is trying to get to is People, young men, young women that are in a position, right? Obviously, adults of age that are they're able and you know choosing to make their own choices and outcomes and the positions that they, that you you, you put your, yourself into. Just please, please think about things all the way through. Get people in, in in your corner. Get people in your friends group that are close to you that are not yes men, yes women, right? Yes people. You need those are true friends who will look you in the face and say, Jalen, what the hell are you doing, bud? What were you thinking? What what prompted you to think 
hanging out with people after they've in, uh, ingested and they were inebriated off of alcohol, right? Because of alcohol, because of drinking, to drive a car that is driving under the influence. That is that you are endangering every person, every person driving a car, every person on the sidewalk, you are endangering them. You are, you know? And I just thought that Jalen Carter, with everything he has in front of him, would recognize that this kind of spotlight for him does nothing but negative things. There's nothing good that, that, that could possibly come, could come out of this. And I saw his statement that came out the last 10 minutes about how he'll be exonerated of all charges. I'm sure your lawyer is going to find everything possible to slide your way out of these problems. Because this is now a, a dark cloud over your head looming everywhere you go about going in the the draft night. And excuse me for bringing this up. I'm not trying. This is not a diversion of the podcast. When Laramie Tunsil had the the gas mask bong video that that, that came out, that tanked his draft status from top five into the 20s, if I do remember correctly, when he got drafted by Houston and then was obviously traded to Miami. But... We're gonna. There's always one player every single season when it comes to the to, to the NFL draft and the combine that has one massive mistake, and the fact that it was Jalen Carter and he was the first one does not bode well for his draft status. I'm sure he'll still be drafted top ten. He'll still make plenty of money, but he is costing himself thousands of dollars per hour that this information is continuing to 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 be talked about. Okay. So that's the breaking news, latest update from around the world. Buccaneers released uh, running back Leonard Fournette yesterday, along with the fact that Marcus Mariota, Carson Wentz were were both released. The only one that was a kind of a surprising move was Marcus Mariota. Yeah, he wasn't great, but he was a very good fill-in veteran. Just did what you asked of him, right? Nothing flashy, nothing fancy. Uh, Desmond Ritter knew that he was going to get his chances. Marcus Mariota knew that Desmond Ritter was, was going to slide in at some point in time. So obviously they want to go with Desmond Ritter going forward to see what they have in him, which I totally understand. And I like the approach from the Falcons, but the Falcons are going to need an, another quarterback. Obviously I don't see them going with another draft or drafting another QB. I know that this draft class is supposedly better on QBs than it was last year. Obviously Bryce Young, Will Levis, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, all those guys, right? But you need a veteran in there to kind of balance out the room. Uh, I've been seeing AJ McCarron's bowling out in the XFL. I probably would assume that that probably doesn't have anything to do with him getting back into the NFL. But uh, look, look for the Falcons to try and make an addition there in the quarterback room to bolster the death behind Desmond Ritter. And then obviously for Carson Wentz. You know, for those of you who do not know, you know Carson Wentz the last three seasons has made $107 million. $107 million guaranteed. You know, and I've talked about Sam Bradford and all these quarterbacks and Jamarcus Russell and all these guys that just took the bag and never did anything right. Carson Wentz had one season where he was, he was, he should have been, he would have been MVP if he didn't tear his ACL versus Seahawks. That's a sad thing. That's obviously a given. And he's never been the same QB since. And if I'm being honest, I don't see a world where Carson Wentz gets a job anymore. Who wants to have Carson Wentz as a backup? He's not a great locker room guy. Doesn't get along with every single person inside of like the overall team. Uh, but I mean, you look at all the, all these other guys like like Chad Henney just retired. You've got um, the guy in Kansas City. I can't think of the name off the top of my head. Uh, I apologize for that. But Chase Daniels, excuse me, that is the name I'm looking for, right? So you have names that have been in the league that are capable of filling in and backing up, right? 
Blaine Gabbert is a name that's getting a little bit of run. C.J. Beathard has got a two-year contract extension in Jacksonville behind Tre Trevor Lawrence. I like that move. Not that he's done anything, but it makes sense. So there's been a lot of movement, a lot of parts going on, people getting released. Uh, the Giants released wide receiver uh, Darius Slayton the, the other day. It's going to be Kenny Galladay, not Darius Slayton. I have the wrong name on my, on my name or on my pad here. So they're trying to clear cap. And then Tennessee cut a bunch of people yesterday. Cap casualties are going to come and go. But it's just uh, going to be interesting to see what those teams do with the quarterback open vacancy. Unfortunately, the upcoming rising star for the L.A. Dodgers under uh, manager Dave Roberts, Gavin Lux, tore his ACL and LCL uh, rounding from second to third base and then collapsed, grabbing his knee. Uh, results came out yesterday morning. Confirmed he does have indeed a torn A and ACL and LCL. Miguel Rojas, Chris Taylor will slide in to fill the void for the middle of the diamond. And be curious to see whether or not this opens more opportunities for guys, for guys like James Altman, who is a outfield prospect for the, the Dodgers. They have a couple of them. Wouldn't be surprised also if this would be a chance for them to get like maybe a Jerickson Profar. I know Jerickson Profar is mainly outfield. Maybe he can slide into second base, but we'll kind of TBD and go from there. Now we get into the main, main meat and potatoes of today's around around the world, right? Packers general manager Brian Gutekunst. It's a hell of a name. Um, he came out finally and addressed the elephant in the room that is the Aaron Rodgers saga. And I'm going to do my best to make sure that I explain this in the best way possible to where it makes the most sense. Okay. So when I say this, I'm going to rewind the tape here, ladies and gentlemen, that last offseason, the Denver Broncos hired one Nathaniel Hackett to be the head coach in Denver because Nathaniel Hackett has a great relationship and has had a great relationship with one Aaron freaking Rodgers, right? Aaron Rodgers states, I like him. Coach Hackett and I have a great relationship. We even have a better working relationship. So your buddies, when you go get off the field and whatever you're, you're going to do, not going to get into that. And your buddies on the field, that's great. Whatever, right? So Denver hires Nathaniel Hackett with the anticipation they will get Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers says, I don't know if I'm going to retire. I don't know if I want to go to Denver necessarily. Let me take some time to think about this, right? Smokes the ayahuasca. Everybody knows the story. I'm not going to get into that. Cover plenty of that here. So Aaron says, mm, Brian, you going to give me some money by chance? If I stay here, will you pay me? Because I kind of want my money. Not that Aaron Rodgers has made a God's forsaken a lot of money. We're going to get into that contract at the end of this story. So Aaron Rodgers says, okay, um, I'll take the money. I'm good on going to Denver. I just, the, the fit just doesn't feel right to me, right? He's all about feelings and feels for Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers does not go to Denver, clearly. Russell Wilson then, uh... About two, three weeks later, is traded to Denver. We all know about the trade hall, the draft picks, the reaction from the PN from the Pacific Northwest, right? We all know that. I'm not gonna get into that here. So Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay, has a miserable season, calls out the wide receivers. They drafted Christian Watson, who's incredibly talented. He's just raw. He's a young, raw kid. Watch, he's probably gonna have a thousand yards receiving this year. Blah blah blah. Whatever, right? So no. So Russell goes to to, to Denver. Aaron stays in Green Bay. Aaron signs this contract, right? Three years, $150 million with 101.4 fully guaranteed. That is via spot track. That is exact number to the correct penny total for you guys, okay? So 
reason why I'm talking about the money and the contract and Denver and uh, Coach Hackett and everything. So now we've seen and known that Nathaniel Hackett was fired from Denver due to a absolute um, mess. I'm going to just call it a mess up in Denver, right? Russell Wilson, Nathaniel Hackett, office on the second floor with the coaches and the administration and the organization and blah, 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 blah. We all know the story, right? I'm not going to get into it again. Nathaniel Hackett's hired by the Jets to be the offensive coordinator, right? And then immediately the conversation was, oh, Nathaniel Hackett, does that mean Aaron Rodgers is going to follow Hackett to, 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 to New York City? And after all the reports that have been coming out this week, the timing of all of this to me is doesn't make a ton of sense, but it makes enough sense to justify the conversation of Derek Carr probably is going to go to the Jets. I feel like that's the best fit for him. It seems like the Jets are embracing him. They want him there more than Rodgers. Obviously, it would be a lot more cost-efficient than going versus getting Aaron Rodgers, and it would cost them draft compensation to get Rodgers from Green Bay because it would obviously be a trade. So if Nathaniel Hackett went to the, went to the, the, the Jets, excuse me, my tongue's been tied a little bit today. Carr goes to the, the Jets. Rodgers is cast astray from Green Bay. There's nowhere for Rodgers to go. There's nowhere for him to, to, to play this season. There's, I don't see an easy path anywhere. Any team is going to hack up a first, round, a first round pick or a second and a third or two seconds or a, you know, a first and a fifth or whatever the hell the compensation value would be because nobody has any idea what Aaron Rodgers is worth because his last season was not great. He didn't. Double-digit interception numbers. Aaron Rodgers was not good last year. Kirk Cousins outplayed him. Ro Jared Goff outplayed him. Justin Fields, in my opinion, outplayed him. Aaron Rodgers didn't make the playoffs last season. Didn't do it. You had Aaron, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, two workhorses in the backfield, right? No, I understand they had, like, Randall Cobb at, like, 40 years old and Robert Tanyan's been battling uh, health issues and injuries for a while. <clears throat> Pardon me on that. But it just fascinates me, right? Because the ultimate end point of this is I believe Aaron Rodgers is going to retire. I think he's going to hang the cleats up. And for God reason, he should. Just hang him up, Aaron. Just hang him up and shut him up. For the, for the benefit of everybody. Yeah, it's going to suck for Pat McAfee. Go be the next, you know, couple day a week guest host like he has with uh, AJ Hawk, whatever his name is, right? Who's a complete nut? All he's a nutso, also. But that's I'm not trying to slander the Pat McAfee show. They do a pretty good job there. We all know what they do. But let's just call a spade a spade, ladies and gentlemen. Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers, are in are in a spot where they have to play Jordan Love at quarterback to see what they have. It wouldn't surprise me if they went Jordan Love and then drafted a rookie. I would not be I wouldn't be shocked at all because you look at I mean if they could get. I don't know what their draft position is. I think they're like high teens, if I understand correctly. And they probably would have to trade up, obviously, to get like somebody like a Will Levis or something like that. They're going to need to address the quarterback position. If you don't know what you have in Jordan Love, you have to figure out what you have there. And from what the last thing said from from uh, from the GM of the Packers says, all options are on the table. Jordan Love is ready to start. So with that being said, Green Bay Packer fans, just keep your patience and allow the process to work. As they say in Philly, even though they haven't gotten anything out of it, unfortunately, in Philly. So, uh, Aaron, I hope you enjoy your darkness retreat. And I uh, hope that Jordan Love is able to succeed in the upcoming uh, 2023 season. Okay. 
So, Around the World's done. That is probably by far the longest I've had for you guys. I'm trying to actually lengthen this out a little bit today. My podcasts are usually about 20-ish minutes, 20 to 20, 20, 20 to 30, maybe 25 on some days. So, we'll probably be right around 30 to 35 today, just giving you guys a heads up. Now, let's talk about the Mariners, the spring training that it's been so far, and a couple players that have been surprising some players that have been eye-popping and then some players that are like that'll play that'll do right let's start out with the main one right everybody and i mean everybody and their grandmother has been very very pleased with what we've seen from jared kelnick so far in spring training right if there's one player on this team obviously besides for julio rodriguez that can make the most impact to change the 16-game difference between the Seattle Mariners and the Houston Astros, it is one Jared Kelenic. Jared Kelenic has done a ton of work in the offseason. If you listened to his interview yesterday with Brock and Salk via Seattle Sports Station, he had a great sit-down interview explaining how he's, quote, trying to just win the pitch, right? Consistent hard contact. And some people are going to say, but he hit two home runs. Well, why can't you just be happy he hit two home runs? I was. It was great to see. However, it's spring freaking training, people. The guy who, the people, the two pitches, uh, two pitchers he faced against in that game were both double A, right? So I'm not trying to take away from it. Yes, the end result was great. Yes, watching the home run is, fu- is super fun. It's exhilarating. It, it is fulfilling. You're like, well, what do we can dream of? What life could be if Jared Koenig could just transfer this into a normal season? But we say this about all kinds of players. Every team has these kind of players where they've got like a prospect they've been waiting on for years and years and years to burst. And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, right? But the one thing that I've seen with Jared Kelnick that is the most impressive and important thing that we need to continue to watch is the hard contact rate. Is he continuing to barrel up the baseball? In the, in the last three games Jared Kelnick has played, he has an average exit velo of over over 100 miles an hour. That is exactly what we want to see from the Statcast group, right? All the the FanGraph guys, they're they're monitoring this very closely, because for the guys that square the baseball up and hit the ball with vigorous intention, right? Good things happen to you. When Justin Hollander and Jerry acquired Teoscar Hernandez in the off season. Just, uh, when Justin got on with, I believe it was, uh, uh, oh goodness, Bump and Stacy, excuse me. He said, the reason why we got Teoscar Hernandez, and I'm quoting the exact quote from the conversation. We got Teoscar Hernandez because he hits the ball really, 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 really hard. And when you hit the ball that hard, that consistently, good things happen and come to you. So ladies and gentlemen, let this be a tiding of goodwill. That Jared Kelnick is continuing to barrel up the baseball. He's throwing cannon shots from right field. He's humble. He wants... I loved the conversation and the topic from Scott Service yesterday on with Brock and Salk. They had the back-to-back conversations between Jared Kelnick and Scott Service. And Scott said uh, that it was uh, Jared Kelnick's day for the uh, for the music yesterday, right? And Jared's like, okay. And he turned, puts on his music uh, playlist, right? And... Uh, Skip comes up and says, Hey, Jared, uh, I think Eugenio, Gino wants to go talk to you. Can you go over and talk to him real quick? Yeah, 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 of course. He goes over and Gino's like, Hey, no Latin music? Can we get some Latin music? So guess what they did? They teamed up as a duo and worked on understanding each other. And this is just, this is what we want to see, ladies and gentlemen. 
these are the these are the kinds of things that as a growing blossoming organization that you look for because these guys actually give a damn you know they want to be great teammates Jared Kellogg says the one thing he wants to be better at is being the best teammate possible every day just do his job at the end of last season that's all he focused on was do my job to the best of my capability to help this team win and by golly today's lineup Leading off Julio, second batter Jared Kelenic. That's the kind of thing we've been dreaming and just like drooling at the mouth for, right? It's like we go to In-N-Out Burger or Dick's or something and you get that burger you've been waiting for all week and your mouth's salivating and you can't wait to bite into that thing and get the experience that you've been waiting for all week since it for what happened since, since last time. That's what we have with Jared Kelenic and Julio Rodriguez. And obviously everybody knows the talent that Jared has and... I've been very hard and very brash on Kellnick because he's deserved it. He hasn't played well. He's thrown temper tantrums more times than he's, per, you know, he's proceeded to play well on the field. But the, the, the conversation, the potential, the upside, and the determination of Jared Kellnick is what makes him so, as he is a fantasy, what's the word I'm looking for? He is a fascinating athlete. Because of his mindset and the way he approaches his activities on a day-to-day -day basis. Okay, that's number one. Number two, Cade Marlowe. Cade Marlowe just hitting the baseball hard consistently. I know I talked about that. Just got done talking about that with, with, with Jared Kelnick. But this is why this is important. If you're squaring up the baseball, that means you have the right motions. Your timing is on par. You're reading the hand correctly. You're reading the seams coming off the hand right. Everything is going right, and I love what I'm seeing from from Cade Marlowe. This guy was a 20-20-20. 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases. Uh, man, what was it? 20? It was a, or maybe it was just 2020. But these are rare, rare players that we're talking about, right? I look at Cade Marlowe, and I I see like a Charlie Blackman. I see. Not like an, not like a Carlos Gonzalez, but he reminds me of Carlos Gonzalez because he can move, he can run, he can field. Uh, he hits the ball for decent power. He's got a very simple, very compact, short swing, and his speed plays well on the bases. Two-run triple yesterday, fantastic, and that's what we want to see. I want more. We need more speed for this team. Yes, Julio is blazing speeds fast. Yes, Dylan Moore, Sam Haggerty can run. Jared Kelnick can run. But that's only a couple of guys. J.P. Crawford can't really run. Ty France sure as hell can't run. Gino really can't run. Cat Raleigh can get okay, motor down the bases. Pollock's going to be average when it comes to top speed. But we need more speed. We need more athleticism. And that's what we talked about years and years ago with this rebuild. Is we want to be hard to play against. And we have speed. Everywhere we go, you got to have speed. If speed kills, ladies and gentlemen, like it is on football. If you have speed, it plays and it shows up on paper and on the field. Okay, pardon the page turn here. Um, I talked about the two-run triple, the ability to run. I think with the Taylor Trammell injury, Cade Marlowe makes the starting 26-man roster. I do. The conversation is like, do you want Cade Marlowe? Do you want Tommy Lestella? Do you want Colin Moran? That's going to be a conversation for a different podcast, right? I know we're already getting close to the 30-minute mark here today. So, um, it's, it's some people are going to say, well, why not have Cade Marlowe? Why would you have, why would you go with Marlowe over Tommy? Or why would you go Colin Moran over Marlowe? There's a conversation for, realistically, 
two of the two out of these three players. But I'm not trying to like take away from Tommy, but Tommy Lastella hasn't done anything in spring training. Hasn't done anything. And the fact that Cade Marlowe has shown up, is playing well, he's performing, he's driving in runs, he's running with well, he's running with really with intention is what he's doing. It's going to force the hand of Scott Service and Jerry Depoto to say we have to do this. He's going to force our hand, which is what they what they said they want to see in spring training. This is what Julio Rodriguez did last last spring training. He forced their hand. He said, I'm ready. I'm here for this. My opportunity is now. So let's go ahead and get it, right? So that's what I want to touch on with, with Cade Marlowe. That's two. I'm going to combine two players for number three here. Colton Wong, J.P. Crawford. We're going to start out with Colton Wong and with, J, with, with J.P. Crawford. Colton Wong, just getting on base. He's getting singles. He's drawing walks. Showing some pretty decent speed for that Colton Wong. I know Colton Wong isn't a slow guy. He's above league average when it comes to speed. He can probably get you 15 stolen bases a season. That has value. It's a lot more than Adam Frazier got you last year or J.P. Crawford, right? So veteran bat with Colton Wong is a really valuable addition to this team because he is a prior gold glove, two-time gold glove winner. He's been putting in the extra work with, with Perry Hill. Um, getting back to the foundation and the fundamentals and the basics that made him a great defensive second baseman. That was his calling card. He got on base and he played great defense, right? And then when we talk about gold gloves, we have to talk about J.P. Crawford. J.P. Crawford's swing, it's looked better, but I really can't read too much into it. I mean, it's kind of like the same thing with Jared Kelnick and all the off-season work, uh, off work with, with his swing. And we know that we've seen the videos in the off-season at Driveline with J.P. Crawford and what they, some of the work they did with him. But until we see actual game consistent action and like performance on the field, it's really hard to get a like a bottom baseline parameter of where to expect J.P. Crawford to build from with what he's done in the off-season. So J.P. Crawford, gold glove. Uh, Colton Wong, Gold Glove at second base. You have a dynamic duo tandem of defense in the middle. And the fact that if both these guys can get back to their roots, that is a, a colossal, a massive upgrade for this team. When we're already a great pitching and a great defensive team who has timely offense, the better your, uh, better your defense is, the better overall your team will perform and the record will show at the end of the season. And we talk about Gold Gloves and stuff. We have to talk about, and some people are going to surprise that I waited this long to, to talk about this guy, Evan White. When they drafted Evan White a couple years ago at the University of Kentucky, he was known as uh, like a, almost like he, he looked like a Cody Bellinger, right? Tall, lanky, athletic, shows some pop. The glove was phenomenal, right? Rookie year, wins a gold glove, him and J.P. Crawford. Offense wasn't great. I mean, I think his uh his actual career numbers in um in MLB is like 176 average. So what we've seen from Evan White so far is that the swing looks natural, the swing looks smooth, it looks consistent and direct to the baseball. Right? He looks like he's put on some man strength. He was a little bit wiry, a little thinner. You know, Cody Bellinger's pretty pretty thin still for his build. Right? He just has a lot of natural torque power. Evan White is showing us that he has just all-field power. And God, that glove, man. Those two plays the other day at first base, robbing a couple of extra base hits, throwing out the guy at home plate, saving the run. That is exactly what I remember and been hoping for to see as a bounce back from Evan White as he's been bounce, he's been dealing with groin injuries. 
hip flexors, all that stuff. I've been still dealing with that issue myself. So I feel for you, Evan White. It is a long, tedious process to deal with that injury. So I'm just so glad that he's on the field. He's performing at a level that really is bolstering the conversation of, obviously he's not going to make the initial 26-man roster, but if Tommy LaStella struggles, there's definitely a world where Evan White could come up and slide in and fill for that void spot on the 26-man roster. But that's obviously all. That's the same conversation of, do you go Colin Moran or Evan White? But we'll have that conversation on, on a different podcast because that's a fantastic, interesting conversation because both these guys have a lot of potential and could really help this 2023 Mariners team get back to the postseason and hopefully even win that coveted ALS crown. The last player on my positional list that I want to talk about for a brief second is one La Pedre, Luis Castillo. Luis Castillo is, he's just awesome. He is just simply awesome for the organization. He's great for the fan base. He's exceptional in the locker room. The respect he garners, the respect he gives, the presence on the mound. You know, it's not a fancy stat line. Two innings pitched, two hits, one earned run, two walks. The walks I would not like to see, but it was his first start of spring training, so he's obviously going to break off some rust. That we will, I mean, that will be addressed. That will be fixed. That's not going. That shouldn't be an, a consistent problem going forward. But two strikeouts. It's a lot of twos. Two innings pitched, two hits, two walks, two two strikeouts. Luis Castillo is going to be obviously your opening day starter at home uh, on March 30th. I, as far as I know, I will be there. I still need to cut, uh, touch on, on on a couple things. Shout out to my to my buddies uh, for helping me with that in general with uh, with them having season tickets. So those are my uh, continued, you could say, part two spring training takeaways. Some of the players that have really been shining. We're gonna get more into the pitching. Uh, I talked about like Prelander Baroas and Bryce Miller. So we'll talk more about the pitching stuff, what I've been seeing from the relief guys, if there's going to be a bullpen conversation. But I think most of this roster is pretty much locked into uh, locked into their spots for the most part. We're going to transfer in with Seattle Seahawks, and then we're going to wrap it up for today. We're already almost, wow, almost 40 minutes on today's podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. Austin Blythe retired yesterday at the age of 30. Austin Blythe, what a career. Seven-year veteran, seventh-round pick, 2016 draft out of the University of Iowa. Never was a flashy career, never was a flashy player, but a consistent, respectable vet who knew how to get his job done week-to-week basis. Uh, as far as the fit in Seattle goes, I'll be honest, I didn't like the fit for Austin Blythe. I just thought it was a way to get somebody in there who could capably work with Geno and have a little bit more intelligence on the offensive line. Not saying that like Joey Hunt or any of the other guys who's played center for the last few years, but weren't on the same pedestal platform, or I'm not trying to like downgrade their intelligence. But Austin Blythe was known for his intelligence and for how he viewed and saw things on the offensive line. He just had a great career, and I just want to tip my hat to him for everything he did. Sean Desai has left the Seattle Seahawks for the defensive coordinator position in Philadelphia, as Philly's lost both its offensive and defensive coordinators due to head coaching vacancy positions in the offseason. So... The good thing that comes out of this for Seattle, um, losing Sean is going to hurt in some aspects. He's a great teacher. He really alliterates the game well to these young players and allows them to understand it in a very consistent, comprehensive manner. But the Seattle Seahawks are going to get a great compensatory pick for this. They are. 
Uh, the Niners have been doing this for years. They've been getting uh, assistant coaches or uh, minority coaches, building them up, and then they end up shipping them off or they get jobs somewhere else and they get draft pick compensation, which is how they get like Tala Talanoa Hufanga late inside the draft. That was a comp pick choice, stuff like that. So congrats to Sean and his family on uh, the new opportunity in Philadelphia. That defense is going to be stacked. Yeah, they got a lot of players. CJ Gardner-Johnson, Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox uh, that are going to be free agents. So we'll see what happens with that. But that should be a pretty easy landing spot for Sean to get a new head coaching job here within the next few years there. Let's get a brief, brief conversation here on the comments from John and Pete at their uh, pre at the press conference at the Combine. The first one they've had so far. Talks of Geno have quote been positive. They are totally connected to the QBs that are coming in through this year's draft. Obviously, we talked about Bryce Young, Will Levis, CJ Stroud, uh, Anthony Richardson, all those guys. If there's one name that to me is good, would make the most sense just based upon where we have draft pick wise and obviously just where we're at currently without anything trading up, trading down, anything that happens. I think Anthony Richardson's probably going to be the one that's more realistic coming to Seattle. Just due to the fact of where he will be drafted, I anticipate probably late first to early second, he is going to compete at the combine. He will participate in the activities, which is obviously big for the um, for the combine scouts and for the administrative members, especially like the coaches, GM stuff like that. There's a lot of comps about him with uh, Cam Newton, Josh Allen. Uh, he's young. He's raw. We're going to get more into the QB's breakdowns here in a, in, a, in a different podcast, but I wanted to talk about him for a brief second. And we talked about Jalen Carter, and he he already was not going to participate at the Combine. But obviously now the conversation has changed, and he is uh, taking care of some personal issues. So that is going to be today's podcast. Wow, we are at 40 minutes on today's podcast. That is a personal record. Hope you guys enjoy today's podcast and the length of it. I wanted to just kind of do a little bit of a different deep dive into a couple uh, di- couple different conversations. Today's speaking has been a challenge. But uh, thank you guys so much for sticking around uh, till the end of today's podcast. Hope you guys have a fantastic rest of, of your Wednesday. And uh, if there's anything you guys want me to talk about, combine-wise, mariner-wise, spring training, cracking, just let me know. Reach out to me on Twitter capital P and W professor. You can find me there. And until then have a fantastic day. See us rise. Go Hawks.